If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. God wants to finish the story. And the very thing that we would love, He enfolds in Himself all that would bring joy and life and peace to us. Welcome to Keep the Main Thing, a podcast of sermons and messages from Pastor Leland Evenson. I'm Mark Evenson. Today's sermon is from March 27, 1988. It is titled, Who's in Charge Here? It was Palm Sunday on this particular weekend. Pastor Lee was obviously using the text that Sunday which would describe Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, probably from John chapter 12 or Matthew chapter 21. I love the titles that Pastor Lee comes up with for his sermons. They are always a clever way to introduce the message. There is always a bit of humor or play on words within the title. Or he leverages a cliche or a well-known phrase from advertisements or even some slang. This is another message that points to the future where everyone is their own authority. They are the king or queen who will rule over their respective kingdoms and anyone who happens to trespass in their world. Today, in 2024, we give this phenomenon a name, one that sounds scientific, one that sounds as if it's symptomatic or a situation that is beyond anyone's control. Today we call it relativism, our new way of life in the 21st century. We call it relativism rather than what we should call it, which is selfishness, self-centeredness, or vanity, or something along that line. If we want to give it an all-encompassing name, then the simple way to go about that is to call it sin, a term that probably best describes it. It's an application that is universal. The message from Pastor Lee tells us that there is a way out of this selfish, sinful behavior. It is allowing Jesus to be Lord and ruler in our lives. He tells us that we can have the assurance and confidence that peace and hope can be found through this type of relationship with Jesus. God has a plan for our future. It is all mapped out for us if we will trust him, love him, and follow him. Here is Who's in Charge? Pastor Leland Evenson on March 27th. 1988. It was to be the coldest weekend of the winter. A few weeks ago, when our consul and staff went on our retreat to do the planning and reorganizing of the new consul, we went out here to the Y camp. One of the men who went along brought his own heater. <clears throat> One you at least suspect. <laughs> One who has a reputation for being the most macho and would probably go with Jim Klobuchar on a polar expedition. That wasn't so bad that he would bring his own heater. But along with that, he found a little room where he, of course, could contain the heat from his heater for just himself. <laughs> that wasn't so bad. But the problem was that in that little room, there was also a little regulator on the wall called a thermostat. <laughs> the first words from Ray Johnson when he woke up in the morning out in one of the larger 
rooms was, they didn't succeed, they didn't succeed. Someone tried to kill us and they didn't make it. <laughs> you know, that's the problem with our world. We try to bring our own authority. Your marriage may be chilling down. The problem is with the thermostat and who is in charge. Ever since the beginning, man has wanted to be in charge <clears throat> after the fall. We're designed to live under a king, to be a monarchy in our lives. His authority is to supersede our authority. And the problems in our world today is because we have voided the thermostat of his authority, because we have tried to take over and to act on our own, and so everything is affected, even as that thermostat over there affects every cubic square foot of air in here this morning. The first thing when we do and come on a Sunday morning, whoever comes first goes around and turns up all the thermostats because that affects every bit of air that we have in here this morning. <clears throat> the authority of God <clears throat> as revealed in Jesus was meant to affect the whole world. And our problem with economics and morals and home, and art, and music, and entertainment, is that somehow it hasn't been affected by the one who is to be in charge. He wouldn't trust the design of the building. He didn't trust the thermostat that was there. And so, in his own way, he was going to control the heat, at least for himself. That's our problem, you see. We don't trust the authority of Jesus. We think we know better. And so our marriages cool off. Our homes become cold. Our relationships with one another, even in the body of Jesus, somehow lose their zest and a sense of love and celebration because we void the power of the King. The story of Palm Sunday is a story then of a king who wants to be in charge and rule. Thermostats, they're all over. We have them in our houses. We have them in our cars. We have them on our stoves and our refrigerators. Wherever we go, we need that authority because that authority gives us a sense of peace because you know when you put your cake in the oven, you can set in that thermostat. We'll hold it at 350 or 400. You know, when you put something in the fridge, it will hold the temperature so it won't freeze everything solid or everything spoiled because it's too warm. Thermostats have authority to give us a peace and a sense of confidence in various areas of our lives. He is meant to be in charge. He's meant to be in charge as we look down the road. And that should give us a sense of peace and confidence. Uh, 
the disciples didn't have to worry when they went for the cult. Jesus already had the authority so he could tell them, you go to a certain place and there's going to be the cult and you simply give the words if they question you and the cult will be brought. And so the disciples went not worrying, now what are we going to say or what are we going to do or which cult will it be? Jesus had the authority down the road. And over and over he tries to tell us that. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. What you will eat or what you shall wear or all of those things. James comes back with that in a different way about taking the authority ourselves. When he says in the fourth chapter, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are but a mist. And so it goes on. Some years ago, when we went to the Holy Land, it was that kind of relaxing trip because once you got there, everything was taken care of. There were people in charge of, in charge of where you went, in charge of where you stayed, in charge of the various places that you would cover. And so each day you could relax and just kind of enjoy the day because they had, in a sense, gone ahead and knew where we'd be staying that night, knew where we would be eating, knowing the highlights that we would see, and so you could simply enjoy each day. Abraham and Sarah tried to overrule God. They wouldn't accept the authority, and so they ended up with Ishmael, which caused them problems and has caused problems for over 2,000 years. And we do that too. We try to take authority into our own hands. We set our own thermostats. We often don't allow His Word. It may be in our relating as husband and wife, where it says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, which was shared on yesterday at a retreat in a wonderful way by our retreat leader. It may be in the area of our finances and tithing, and Scripture is very clear in terms of giving tithes and offerings, and yet we often bring our own reason, you see, and our own authority, and we supersede the authority of the Word. Or we hold a resentment against somebody, and we use our own reason. They don't deserve to be forgiven. It's too easy. Rather than the authority of the Word, which is very clear, forgive even 70 times 7. Jesus lived under the authority as true man. The Father had it all mapped out, as we heard last Sunday in excellent message on obedience. The Father had it under control down the road. And even though Jesus knew he was walking to the cross and, and probably as true man didn't understand the full implications, he trusted the Father. He lays out our path before us. He will direct your paths. I like the story of uh, Albert Wendell Holmes, who was a Supreme Court justice some years ago. And one day he was on a train, <clears throat> I think I've shared this before, uh, leaving Washington, D.C. And of course, he, uh, in that day, rode the trains a lot, and so the conductor knew him. And as the conductor came down the aisle, he saw that uh, the justice was fiddling in his pockets and trying to, to find a ticket. And he came, he said, well, that's all right, sir. Uh, I know you, and I know you bought your ticket, and I can trust you. And you find it sometime later, just, uh, just mail it into the, the office. The justice said, well, that's not what's bothering me, he said. That's not my real problem. What's really bothering me is I don't know where I'm going. 
He was tended to be forgetful. When we don't live under the authority of the king, we don't know where we're going. What is it all about? When we walk, you see, under that authority, there's a sense of confidence. He is laying out the future for us. Whatever that may mean in our lives, if we live under that authority, we have confidence that we live under the authority down the road. Even as Zechariah was a prophecy that God has everything under control because then those years later that was fulfilled. And sometimes we think the world is out of control and everything is going helter-skelter. Nobody knows, but there is one who knows where it is going. And if we live under that authority, we have confidence, you see, what will happen tomorrow, we can trust Him. We try to control it. And so we're going to make the right investments. And we found out on Black Monday we can't always call the right shots. We think we can control it. And so we eat the right diet and don't do this and don't do that. And all of a sudden we go to the doctor and find it's not under our control. That somehow life is by a, a thin thread and not this huge rope. He will direct your paths. Do you trust Him? Day by day, you live under the thermostat of His authority and you're relating to Him and to one another in your own life. Or is your life chilling others disturbing and will finally of course disturb you as the person who did this was disturbed the next day by others around him who's in charge here in the center of your life there's one who loves you because he loves you wants what's best for you he comes as king his authority is not only down the road, his authority is meant to be on the road, day by day. Riding on a colt, it's unheard of. On a farm, when you were going to break in a horse, you just didn't get on the horse and ride it like Jesus did. Or put a horse in a harness. There was a time of training, but somehow his riding on that colt was symbolic again of his authority, you see, even over that animal that he rode on, I believe, in that parade. For over 25 years, the occupants in a building in Pittsburgh complained <clears throat> they had trouble adjusting the temperature of the building. The higher they set the thermostat, the colder the temperature seemed to be. And when it was warm outside in the summer, it seemed the cooler they turned it, the hotter it got. Very surprised to find out one day, finally, after all those years, that the thermostats were in good working condition, but the covers had been put on upside down. So when they were turning it to cool, they were really turning it to hot. And when they're turning it to hot, they were really turning it to cool. Our moral thermostats are upside down. The wisdom of the world is opposite of the wisdom of the Lord. When the authority is in us, it's upside down. like that uh, 
comic strip Andy Cap, the English. In one of these, uh, I don't think, some weeks ago, I guess, he, uh, he is saying to his friends, Sorry, Chalky, I'm playing darts for the Red Lion. <coughs> and Chalky says, I was counting on you. You've always been my partner in the snooker doubles. Sorry, I promised, says Andy, <coughs> but I'm your mate. Talk about loyalties. Andy says, I have loyalties. I just change them occasionally, that's all. The Palm Sunday crowd changed their loyalties, you see. Although they recognized the authority of Jesus, not in the full way that it was meant to be, at least though they recognized it for those moments, but suddenly the loyalty was changed. And that happens in our lives, you see, day by day. We change our loyalties from the king to ourselves. We supersede the thermostat. We want to make sure that we have things under control rather than under His control. There's an interesting incident in Jeremiah talks about about the Rechabites. They were people who worked with metal and uh, they were like blacksmiths that some of us grew up with and they would travel from <clears throat> city to city because they would uh, fix the javelins and uh, the wheels on the chariots and so forth. Then they would move on and on and on and finally in the history of Israel uh, it became very unsafe and so they finally moved into the walls of Jerusalem for a while to do some work there as long as things were <clears throat> not uh, settled in the land. Now, the Rechabites were a people who had, had taken a vow some 250, 300 years ago that they would, they would not drink wine and they would not marry outside their group. There was a very real reason. They didn't have patents in that day, and so they'd pass on the secrets of the trade within their own clan, within their own families. And so it was important that they didn't drink wine and get drunk and share the secrets and that they didn't marry somebody from outside who would come in as a spy and then go out. And so they had that vow. So Jeremiah, as he sees the people responding in Jerusalem, not to the authority of the Lord, but to the crowd around them and doing what they felt like doing, he got an idea. He invited the Rechabites to a party as a friend of them. Because everybody knew they were in Jerusalem at this point. They were a strange people and, uh, you know, nomads and so forth. <clears throat> so he invites them in, and the first thing he does is set before them bowlfuls of wine. You know, as a good host in that day, certainly they would, they would drink the wine. And everybody was watching them. And, of course, they refused, even though they appreciated the friendship of Jeremiah and and certainly uh, all that went with that, and, and the, they didn't want to be rude to their host. Yet because of that vow, you see, they lived under the authority of that fa their father of 250 years before. <clears throat> the Rechabites, as the author says, were living evidence right on the crowded streets of Jerusalem of two things the crowded, the crowd-conditioned people assumed were impossible. They were evidence that everyday ordinary people could live their entire lives directed by a personal command and not the impersonal pressures of the crowd. They were evidence that it's possible to maintain persistently a distinctive way of life and not assimilate to the fashion of the crowd. 
The Rechabites lived life not on the basis of what was current with the crowd, but on the basis of what had been commanded by their ancestor. It was formed out of centuries of devotion. The ancient command, not the current headline, gave them their identity. That word shaped and preserved their proud traditions and skilled craftsmen. They were a commanded people, a disciplined people. Jonadab's 250-year-old command carried far more weight than Jeremiah's immediate friendship. The whole thrust of our society today is to make us dissatisfied. The pressure of the crowd, you see. The point of this story is not that it would be a a sermon on total abstinence or a sermon on marrying, don't marry outside of a Scandinavian or German or some other heritage. The point is, you see, that under the authority of the Lord Jesus, we don't live always having an ear to the ground of what's in style or what's in mold, but we live under the authority of this one who is called Jesus. Stanley Jones said, life is either awfully simple or simply awful. And it is true. It's awfully simple, you see. We may think it's very complex in terms of some relationships and we need years of counseling, and certainly counseling is good to surface something. But basically, you see, in terms even of difficulties in our marriages, it's awfully simple. It's simply either the lordship and the authority of Jesus that's telling me what to do or myself. And if it's myself, I will chill that marriage down more and more as long as it centers in me and not in the authority of one who is called Jesus, who said, love your wife as Christ loved the church. So not only does he have authority down the road and authority on the road day by day, but when that is true, there's celebration along the road. A few years ago, when uh, not that many years ago, the speed limit used to be 55. I just always, in the summer, uh, enjoy whenever I have a trip that goes down through Wisconsin, down uh, through Black River and Toma, and I mean, all of the coolies, and the, uh, learn to enjoy that, appreciate it when I was in La Crosse, and still the beauty of the countryside. <clears throat> but I found myself not enjoying it because, because the speed limit was 55, I would, I would try to cheat and uh, set my speedometer uh, cruise control a little higher than that. And so I found myself, rather than enjoying the surroundings of the beauty of the hills and the coolies and the bluffs, I was, I was simply always in my eye, now I wonder if the speed cop will be sitting around that curb or down the road or behind those trees and so forth. And I'd get, you know, I'd get to the destination a few minutes early, but I'd have a tension headache. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm not enjoying the trip because I'm trying to live not under the authority. So I simply decided this is foolish and would set my cruise at what it was supposed to be so I could enjoy the scenery, enjoy beautiful music tapes that Miriam and I used to have, enjoy conversation, because somehow I was living under authority. You can celebrate along the road of life only as you live under the authority of Jesus. You cheat on your income tax, and you send it in, 
and you are not living in today, but you're living in tomorrow, wondering every day if you're going to get a notice from the federal government about an audit. One can cheat on his marriage partner, but every day he's not living in the present. He's always living in tomorrow, wondering if his marriage will break up or something will be found out. To celebrate life, to have a sense of celebration as we got in that beautiful music today and as you get in these texts of, of the Hosanna, one can only praise God and praise life and its beauty and richness when we live under the authority of Jesus. For only then are we fulfilled and only then can we live each day. It said the very rocks will cry out if people don't. Who's in charge here? Is your life a celebration? Each day? In your life, in your home, in your work? Or have you taken over? And so his thermostat isn't working. A few months before the coronation of Queen Elizabeth in England, there was a beautiful new portrait that had been painted and was displayed in the London Art Gallery. And a couple uh, from our country went over there with their two daughters who were about 12 and 10 years old. And they looked at this beautiful painting of this queen and uh, Queen Elizabeth with her gold-studded crown and uh, the scepter and the orb. They were standing in kind of in hushed silence and finally... The younger girl whispered to her older sister, but what is she doing? The older sister, with kind of a condescending wisdom of being two years older, said, silly, she's not doing anything. She's just reigning. That's often the way we make Jesus king. An honorary position like the Queen of England that he doesn't do anything in our lives. Maybe he's your savior, but you turn the thermostat down so low, you see, that it doesn't come into play daily in every situation. Maybe he's not in your life at all. Today can be a, a new day If you allow him to function in the authority he was created and designed for your life as that thermostat was designed for this room. If you never invited him in, then he will come in and he will establish that thermostat. Install it in your life so you can celebrate life. So you can be a part of a Palm Sunday celebration, living in the freedom and the joy and the confidence of his authority down the road, his authority on the road. You can celebrate alongside the road. Who's in charge? Here.
Lord, forgive us. It seems that almost every day I want to control people, my life, everyone around me. And all I do is chill them or scare them or alienate them and miss out on the authority of your presence and the fullness of life. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to understand what we mean when we say, Jesus is Lord. Amen. Pastor Lee asked the question, Do we know where we are going? Not easy to know where we are going when we are the ones driving and steering the boat. Life in this world are too hard to navigate into peaceful waters and joyful harbors. It's better to have a captain who 100% knows the way. So I believe this is something we can consider daily. Who's in charge? The wonderful thing about a sermon like this with the analogy of the thermostat is that every time I see or use a thermostat, I will think of this message reminding me that Jesus needs to be the thermostat in my life. Who's in charge here? We can be in charge, we can let others rule our kingdom for us, or we can come to understand and believe that the best way to live our lives from now through eternity is for Jesus to sit on the throne and be our Lord. Because God has a plan for our lives. He loves us, He knows what's best for us, He created us that way. Remember this quote from today's message. The wisdom of the world is opposite of the wisdom of the Lord. We have a choice. We have a decision. I hope this sermon helps you work through the question of who's in charge and who should be in charge. I would recommend a series of sermons from Andy Stanley that Andy did a year ago titled Living Your Life. It is in lockstep with the sermon you just heard. You can find it on YouTube. So I will leave you with this passage from Paul in his letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Until next time, keep the main thing the main thing. Thank you.